Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1, and we will be in verse 16 through verse 25. Uh, I encourage you to follow along in your Bible that you brought with you. Um, there was a, uh, what the pastor who uh, dedicated me in the, in, uh, when I was a baby and then later became a colleague in ministry said, you, you know, if you don't have your Bible with you, it's because you already have it memorized. Is his, is his, was his assumption, and he says, so be prepared for me to call on you to read whenever <laughs> we get there. I'm not calling on you today. Uh, that's just a heads up. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bible that is there, um, it's found on page 1116. Again, that's Romans 1, 16 through 25. There it's written. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse." For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. If you would please bow your heads and lift your hearts in prayer with me. O holy God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week we began talking about uh, uh, gospel fluency, of of what it takes to, uh, or what it looks like to be fluent in the gospel, in that everything you see and interact with the world is seen and and talked about through the gospel worldview. That that when an interaction, something happens in your life or someone else's life, you interpret it through the gospel. You address it with the gospel and not another source. Uh, I made the joke about uh, bringing your Bibles or having them memorized because 
that's important for us as we are becoming fluent in the gospel and centered on the gospel here as a community of faith is that we have the very word of God, the very language and vocabulary that speaks to the gospel with us and carrying it with us to, to know it and, and to hold it so that it can instruct us as we go through life. Now, if you don't have a Bible, if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, you're going to take that pew Bible home with you today. That is our gift to you. You're not stealing from the church. It's there for that very purpose because the power of the word of God has been given to be in your hands daily. And so we want to give you that gift because here's the thing. Language creates culture and culture creates language within it. And, and so both of them are two sides of the same coin. And so with language and culture comes stories. And, and stories are, are an important way in how we view and understand our lives and the world around us. Just, just think of the stories you've already made up today when you got angry at someone else for something they did. What story did you make up as to why they did that horrible thing to you? right? They must just be the worst person. They had it out for me all from the very beginning, right? We, we begin to make up stories in that way. Uh, the other way we make stories in our lives, uh, children are born into our families, and, and we hold them for the first time, and, and we look at them, and, and instantly we have a whole life's story for that child. And then life happens, and they grow up. And there's changes to that story of what we had once dreamed and hoped for. Some of the changes we celebrate because we rejoice that those changes are good changes. And then other changes happen in the life and, and we mourn that, that the story we had hoped for won't be the story lived out in their life. Story is an important part of how we live. We, we think about our own lives within the narrative of a story. And, and oftentimes... We like to be the hero, right? We, we like to be the main character in the story. Uh, it, it really takes us, especially us men, until about the age of 45, because I'm not there yet, to realize the world doesn't revolve around us, right? <laughs> it, it, <laughs> we, you can laugh for a minute. Uh, the, 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 the women are laughing because ever since they married us, they realize they've been trying to teach us the world doesn't revolve around us. Um, and, and so there comes some struggles within that. And, and so, but we think the world revolves around us. And so we get into the Bible. And of course, what we do when reading scripture is we read ourselves into the Bible. We read ourselves as the main character. We read ourselves into thinking and believing, well, this Bible was written just about me. How wonderful is that? When the truth of the matter is this, the Bible is God's revealed word of his glory, of redeeming his people. We play the small role in it. We play the, the, the role of a sinner who needs grace and mercy from God. And so story is an important thing. It, you know, Paul here in writing to the Romans in this first chapter, uh, in the first three chapters, he really uh, lays out three different groups that there's people who haven't heard the gospel, kind of unbelievers in that sense. And that's in chapter one. Chapter two is, is for uh, 
God's people who already knew his law, so more of the Jewish people. And, and then chapter 3 is for people who have heard the gospel and, and kind of what response or what recourse is for them. He makes it clear here in chapter 1, though, that there's no excuse for anyone. Just because someone hasn't come and presented the gospel to you is no excuse for you not to know of the incredible power of God. He says, you've seen creation, therefore you know of God's power. And, and so there Paul writes the importance of, of, of stories when he says this, that some have exchanged truth about God for a lie. Some have exchanged truth about God for a lie. And the reality is many of us do exactly that in our moments of unbelief. In those moments when we stop believing the true things about God because another whisper has gotten into our ear, because another voice has entered into us, uh, an outside source we have gone and to seek has led us to a different story, to not believing the things about God. It's why it's important for us to know God's word, for us to know the very gospel it proclaims, so we can first preach it to ourselves. So we can first preach it to ourselves because there are those moments we find ourselves in unbelief. It's because we've exchanged the truth for a lie. But the Bible's all about God's story, the gospel story, the, the true and dominant story over all creation. We may think we're living a different story, but we live this story. This is who we are. And, and understanding the gospel gives us the language, gives us the culture to cultivate fluency within the gospel. Now, when we read scripture, we can break the gospel story throughout the totality of scripture into four movements. There's creation, the fall, which is uh, uh, sin has entered the world, so disobedience of God, uh, we refer to it as the fall. There's then redemption, and then there's new creation. So the four movements of the gospel story, creation, fall, redemption, new creation. And, and so we're going to go through those movements today. And, and understanding the gospel story in this way helps gives us a vocabulary in which to use the language and the culture to become fluent in the gospel. Now, I want to tell you, I, I began at seminary many years ago, and on my first day of seminary, they took all of the first-year students, and they took us into a classroom, and they sat us down, and, and, and some guys started talking about something. I'm not exactly sure what it was, um, but then he gets to the point, and he has us pull out a piece of paper and a pen because it was still right before computers were acceptable to use for assignments during that time. So we pull out paper and pen, and he says, you have 30 minutes to answer this question, to write your paper for us. And the question is, what is the gospel? I thought it was a silly question. Why do we have to answer this question? We're all here because we believe the gospel, right? That's why we came to seminary. That's, that was my thinking in this moment. So I, I just start writing. 
I start writing that there's sin, that we fall short, then Jesus comes, and Jesus dies and is resurrected so that we may be saved and, and that we all have a chance because of Christ for salvation. And I remember this one phrase I did use. I, I did quote scripture. I said that the gospel is good news of great joy for all the people. And so along those lines, I, I wrote the paper for 30 minutes. And then at the end, we had to turn it in. And then they graded our papers while we waited. We waited, and they graded, and I received the high mark of D. With lots of notes, corrections, and a prescription to use the university's writing center for all future projects. The unfortunate thing is the next three years at that disciples' seminary, it became clear that what they taught was a different gospel than the very true story found in Scripture. Which explains part of the D. The other part was my writing. So it was half-earned. But Peter writes in Scripture... He writes and he says that we are to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks. So if I were to ask you today, what is the gospel? How would you answer? Creation, fall, redemption, new creation what we're focusing on today. And it begins with God, who has always been, and he has always existed just as he is now. He is unchanging. And so the scriptures tell us that in the beginning, God spoke. By his very word, he spoke and everything came into existence. The whole world is created by the very word and work of God. His command, the entire universe, the stars hung in the cosmos, the galaxies far away, including earth, was created. And we learn that God's very word and work are powerful and true. And it tells us in the scripture that his work, what he created, is very good. And so we learn this about God. And so that means that, that everything that exists comes from God's word and work, and it's powerful and true so that therefore they can be completely trusted and depended upon. So everything in the world can depend upon and trust God's word and his work. And it tells us that he created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he did so in his image created with the purpose of worshiping him through loving him and serving him and enjoying his very presence and turning to him for all their troubles. 
They lived with all creation in perfect harmony in a place we call Eden, that the Bible calls Eden. It was very much paradise. Because there was no pain, there was no suffering, no sickness, no death. For sin had not entered the world yet. And then something tragic happened. It's what we call the fall. And it was that moment they didn't believe. They didn't trust in God's word and work. The problem was unbelief. The action was sin, and the consequence was death. Death entered the world. Satan had gone into the garden to deceive Adam and Eve into believing a lie instead of the truth. And it only took a little whisper. They heard a different story gathered around that tree, all, and, and all because they didn't believe and trust in God, they went and believed a lie, a different story. And so they disobeyed God. Eating fruit, they were told not to. And the consequence, like a virus, spread throughout all of creation. So God finds Adam and Eve after they have sinned, after the fall has occurred. And we call it the fall because it's a fall from paradise. They were in paradise. No sin, no sickness, no suffering, no death. And now they have fallen from it. And so God finds them. And as God is telling Adam and Eve the effects of their sin, they were also promised by God that he would put an end to Satan through Eve's offspring, that God would have the final word, that he will save us from our sins, that he will rescue us from Satan, and that he will put death to death. And so the promised Savior of redemption was God. God became human in the person of Jesus Christ. It's what we celebrate and gather for on Christmas. It's Emmanuel, God with us, in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in Bethlehem under the great star of God. There is our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God, there to rescue us from our sins. We learn that he grows up and, and he lives his entire life without sin. And so then he willingly and obediently goes to the cross to die for the sins of all mankind. And there, in the greatest display of grace and mercy ever seen or known in the world, Jesus hangs, dying as a substitute for all who would trust in him. And the story still doesn't end because three days later the tomb is empty because Jesus is alive. Three days later he rose from the grave just as God had promised he would. 
Which leads us to the final part of the story. New creation. For you see, the Bible is not only clear that Jesus is our Savior, but that Jesus is also the new and better Adam. For he has lived without sin. And so we join in Jesus' righteousness, no longer in Adam's sin, in being reconciled and redeemed with God. And in doing so, through repentance and faith in Christ, we are forgiven. In our baptism, Scripture says that we are buried in our trespasses, which is just the, the multisyllabic word for sins, and raised to new life. That through Christ, we are born again. A new heart given to us, filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, everything changes. Everything changed. Our identity, our purpose, and our understanding the truths of God in the very moment Christ came into our heart, everything changed for us. No longer do we live our lives according to a lie, but are founded and grounded in the truth of Jesus Christ and our God, our Father, the creator of the universe. Not only are we made a new creation, but we have a future hope. Not just a personal one of our own salvation of spending eternity with the Father, but a cosmic hope for all of creation. God will one day, as he has promised, bring a new heaven and a new earth, which because of Christ, we will enjoy forever. This is the gospel story. Please. Don't exchange any of it for a lie told to you by anyone or anything else. For I am encouraged by Paul's words when he writes to the Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.